Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. It's the Breakfast Club, the world's most dangerous morning show. Hey! Angela E is kind of like the big sister that always pokes you in the forehead. <laughs> That's not how it goes? That's not how anything goes. Yimby's really like a robot. One of the best DJs ever. Believe that. Charlamagne is the wild card. And I'm about to give somebody the credit they deserve for being stupid. I know, that's right. <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> Listen to The Breakfast Club weekday mornings from 6 to 10 on 106.7 The Beat. Columbus is real hip-hop and R&B. Welcome to Strictly Business, Variety's podcast where industry leaders converse about business deals, strategy, and the future of media and entertainment. I'm Corey Erickson, media analyst at Variety Intelligence Platform. Today's episode features Rachel Delphin, chief marketing officer at live streaming leader Twitch. Our conversation touched upon the differences between platform-specific marketing and in-person events, how to keep audiences attracted to and engaged with the platform at a time when newer competition is ramping up, as well as the surge of interest in Hollywood toward video games and how that circles back to Twitch. Stay tuned for the full conversation. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public... The list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. 
Hey, it's Zuko and Kayla from The Wake Up Call. Enjoy your podcast, and when you're done, don't forget about us. We have a radio show. We try to bring a smile to your face every morning. We also talk to some of the hottest country stars of today, and we like to share some good news with That's What I Like. Because Lord knows that's hard to find. When you're done podcasting your podcast, listen to us at 92.3 WCOL. Set your preset on your radio right now, and don't forget you can listen to us online on the iHeartRadio app. Welcome back to Strictly Business. I'm here today with Rachel Delphin, the Chief Marketing Officer of Twitch. Rachel, how long have you been in that position at Twitch? Hi, Corey. Uh, I have been in the Chief Marketing role, Chief Marketing Officer role for about two years now. Uh, I've been at Twitch for five. Okay, very cool. What were you doing um, before you took over uh, the marketing efforts there? Uh, I started out uh, five years ago leading the communications team, um, and then over the you know three year period uh, between being head of comms and then chief marketing officer, I took on you know increased responsibilities for social team, um, community marketing, uh, community engagement, uh, brand and media, and so it was a real natural progression to uh, overseeing the whole the whole team. So it's one thing to do community engagement within the Twitch live streaming platform, but you're also active in Twitch's in-person events. Uh, I believe your Europe incarnation of TwitchCon went down earlier this month. Is there also an American counterpart for that? And what are the things that feel especially unique to doing big events for Twitch in person versus, you know, online? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, so we did have our... Uh... European leg of our TwitchCon franchise. It was earlier this month, July 8th and 9th. We had it in Paris, France for the first time. Um, you know, we had more than 10,000 uh, community members come to the event. That's creators, that's folks who are viewers and fans, uh, and of course, brands as well. Um, and we do have a US uh, TwitchCon franchise as well. That will be uh, later in October this year in Las Vegas for the first time. And again, we'll expect tens of thousands of, of fans. Uh, the U.S. leg of the TwitchCon franchise has also been, uh, you know, it's where we started. And I think, gosh, I'm, I'm going to get this wrong probably with seven or eight now um, that we've actually had in the U.S. as well. So it's a bit more established, a bit more, a bit bigger than the European conference as well. In terms of, you know, how we think about the interplay between, you know, how we operate online as a brand and a service and, and how we operate in person at an events, um, we see those as really, really complementary. You know, it's not online versus offline or IRL. Those things, you know, at the end of the day, we're all about building community. And those communities start online often because it really breaks down the geographical barriers that keep people from, you know, connecting in their hometown or whatever. Um, but the IRL element of that is really, really powerful and meaningful. You know, um, when we bring people together at TwitchCon, they've been friends for, for months or they've been friends friends for years um, in Twitch, uh, in Twitch chat, uh, you know, in the, in their communities. And then they see each other for the first or second, or, you know, it's some kind of reunion and it, it's really special. It's really magical. I think it really deepens those bonds. And then, you know, they go back to, to the community building and nurturing and connection that they have online. So we see that online, uh, the offline component, the IRL event component, really, really powerful mechanism to reinforce that community building that happens online. So 
as a primarily um, you know creator-driven event, is TwitchCon also generally a very good opportunity for Twitch to partner with companies as well that are active in the media space? How do, how does Twitch typically um, you know foster ad partnerships with companies that want to be able to market towards you know the wide platform you have there? Yeah, so the the audience for TwitchCon is a is split. It's about fifty percent creators, of which some of those folks are partners, some of those are affiliates, and some of those are you know generally streamers. And then the other fifty percent we call community, which is would be more the viewer side behaviors, right? So the people who are in the service on chat, um, our fans, they're attending the meet and greets, that kind of thing. Um, and uh, so so that's the the demographic of TwitchCon in terms of like how we engage brands there. I mean, it's a really um, it's a really desirable demographic. We are 89% Gen Z and millennials. Um, and it's a really leaned in community. You know, they are actually building communities on Twitch, which means they're, they're really highly engaged in the service. They're very deeply involved in the fandoms that they're part of. Um, and so integrating a brand, uh, can be really, really powerful and impactful for those brands you know, when we when we talk about how to do that, which is, I think, the 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 important part of that, which is lots of brands want to be there. How do you do that in a way that feels really authentic, that feels meaningful? Um, again, it goes back to this idea of community. So that is really what we're here for. And that's what happens on Twitch and at our events. And for brands to be able to participate and do that in a in a way that accrues really positive sentiment and experience for them, as well as for their community. It is about contributing to the community. It's about being a participant in the community. It is supporting creators within those communities. Um, and that is received really positively by their communities, right? So the fans of those creators who see this validation that the brands provide, this you know, very tangible mechanism, you know, means of support for them as well, turns into these moments of, of celebration as well. Um, and we see brands. Um, do that really well and really embrace that. I think some recent um, examples of that are, you know, at TwitchCon, of course, is very top of mind for me at the moment. Uh, but, you know, we had uh, brands like Samsung and uh, Samsung Mobile in particular, who is leaning more heavily into to the gaming um, market. And they have a, you know, stream team, um, Team Galaxy and, um, you know, mobile tournaments, but also really have a supportive posture with that team, bringing them together because networking is really important for, for content creators on Twitch as I, I'm sure it is elsewhere as well. Um, Crocs was another brand that was at TwitchCon. They sponsored Artist Alley where we feature, as you might imagine, artists from Twitch uh, who are actually selling, you know, tangible wares as well as, you know, emote artistry and that kind of thing. Um, and they gave them the opportunity to create their own gibbets, you know, the, the sort of, items that go on on Crocs, um, really tapped into the creativity of the community, acknowledging the creativity of the community and that, and that you know, broader sort of arts and crafts movement that exists on Twitch, um, and then giving them a canvas to express themselves. So those were, those were, you know, they had presence at the events, both from a sponsorship standpoint, but also, you know, physical presence. Um, another good example, I think, is uh, Chipotle. We had a super ultra combo day and, uh, sorry, super ultra combo week. And in which we've really celebrated the fighting game community. So at the time, Street Fighter VI, highly anticipated, very popular um, new game release, but also just nostalgia around the, the franchise. Um, Chipotle actually uh, provided uh, to people who were engaging with, with content around that 
concept and, and those streamers with um, free guac and chips, right? If they watched a certain amount of time, which, you know, gets people very excited um, and certainly more engaged. And again, really drives um, value to the creators who are participating. So I think those are the, uh, you know, uh, some recent examples, but also examples of, you know, what it takes to do it well. So what have been some crucial developments in leaning more into the community marketing aspect, especially, you know, since, as you said, what, 89% of, you know, the the Twitch creator, the Twitch creators skews pretty heavily towards Gen Z, you know, aka people who are probably going to be very into, you know, prioritizing their own sense of brand development and, you know, independence with what they like to do on Twitch. How How does Twitch kind of work its way in there in terms of aiding, you know, their own marketing or um, catering to younger creators specifically? Yeah, I think the um, the offline aspect is really important because as you said, yeah, 89% of our total population, so that's creators and viewers are skewed, you know, Gen Z and millennial, very digitally native uh, population, of course, you know, Gen Z in particular has grown up entirely with, you know, a, a life that has had the internet at their disposal. So um, what's interesting about that is those generations and those people also really, really value in-person connection. And I think that is probably a, you know, direct response to having so much of their lives also being online um, is that you really value the offline connection. So one is, you know, we've had TwitchCon, we've talked about that. We've also had uh, community meetups historically. So these are grassroots groups that are formed by members of the community around certain locations. So there's a Twitch Toronto, there's Twitch Adelaide, there's Twitch Portland, Seattle, Saskatchewan. And so um, what we've really done after the pandemic in particular is leaned more into those groups to help them really get reignited and restarted because, you know, we weren't meeting in person for a few years there. Um, so we've now got about 50 of those community groups worldwide, and we hope to be able to, and we're working on actually expanding them to more cities um, and places over, you know, this year and certainly into the future. Um, new this year also are our Twitch Unity Guilds. This is a, sort of a hybrid. So um, right now they're sort of North American-based groups. Uh, they serve Black women and Latine and Hispanic partners. Um, they're supported by Twitch, so by us, but they are led by members of those communities. Um, they're just getting start started. We actually recently had those guild leaders at our HQ in um, San Francisco. Um, and that came from, you know, our, our partners and our streamers and community have told us, you know, we want to succeed here. We love being showcased. We love being promoted, you know, particularly during those sort of celebration months, Women's History Month, you know, Black History Month, et cetera. Um, but we also want that support year round. Um, and, you know, of course, we as a as a company, as a marketing team, are very disciplined and dedicated to showcasing diverse creators in every single campaign. But we also recognize there are communities that have been underserved and creating a space for them, programming to be able to enable their growth, um, as well as uh, enabling more collaboration, which is a real cornerstone of growth for any content creator, particularly on Twitch, um, we believe is going to make a really big difference um, for them as well. So since Twitch, obviously a big part of its business is catering to so many different kinds of creators and letting them, you know, foster their own uh, specialized brands. What's the balance between granting this sense of independence to creators to mm -hmm. go ahead and, you know, deliver the kind of live streaming experience they want to versus the obvious need for moderation on the platform? Yeah. How, how crucial do those things, two things kind of combine, especially with regard to um, keeping your ad partners at play? 
Yeah. Um, it's a good question. I think it's multi-part too. So I think on the one hand, there's like a brand question there, which is, and we, we had this sort of recognition a few years ago when we did our brand redesign, which is look, we'd long been associated with the color purple. We still are, we had, you know, a word mark and we have a logo. Um, and, and then we use purple quite prominently in most of our marketing, of course. Um, we created a much more flexible canvas uh, in terms of, and what you'll see now is like a lot more vibrancy, a lot more use of color across the spectrum. And that was really, really specific in particular um, choice because we recognize, look, yes, we are often marketing, you know, Twitch, but more importantly and more frequently, we're actually marketing creators who are part of our, you know, the Twitch community. And we need and want a really flexible canvas on which their brands are also expressed. So, um, you know, we've done actually even more work in that space from a brand perspective recently in terms of like, how do you make this even more kind of extensible so that when we are promoting, you know, XYZ creator, whether it's in a campaign of lots of creators or it's a single, uh, a campaign that, focuses on a single creator that we're able to express the unique, their unique brands really easily while also um, having that foundation of the Twitch brand. Um, that kind of leads to the other part of your question, which is like safety. So I, it's quite personal, right? What your feeling of safety and what your boundaries will be for your own channel are going to be quite different from, you know, any other, any other creators. So the way that that works on Twitch is, is, is not dissimilar to what I just described from a brand perspective, which is like, you know, we, we have a floor um, of what we consider to be respectable, acceptable um, behavior across any channel, whether you're in chat or you're a creator. And those are, you know, the terms of service, of course, but also the community guidelines. Um, I think one, uh, you know, thing about Twitch to, to know is we've, you know, never positioned ourselves as a free speech platform. We have always said that we are, you know, our rules exist to, to enable, um, anyone to be able to build a community here. And that means, you know, having certain rules in place against hate speech and harassment and, um, you know, what, what are appropriate, you know, standards that we believe are, are universal. Now, that same idea of like flexibility, extensibility exists, you know, um, with our posture to safety as well, because you can also, um, as a creator, uh, establish your own rules and norms for your community. So often when you join a Twitch channel, you will see if, if you um, try to chat, so you, you know, click on the little chat box there, um, you'll see a pop-up of these are the rules of this community that the, this creator has set. And they also have mechanisms to enforce those rules. So again, this is above and beyond what we provide as a, or we um, establish as a service and enforce. The creators can also establish their own um, norms. It can even be like, you know, no backseat gaming, no cursing, um, lots of like no racism, no hate, all of those things. They also have moderators on their channels quite frequently who can help enforce those rules. They can ban people from the channels. They can put them in timeouts, um, all of those things. So that again, they're cultivating the kind of community that they want on top of the rules that we have already established and, um, and enforce. And, uh, those things, you know, are, are quite important to brands, right? They want to make sure brands want to make sure I, you know, I'm a brand uh, leader myself, want to make sure that they're associating with um, services that, you know, and in places and surfaces where they feel um, resonate, you know, with, with their own brand values. And so certainly um, our investments in moderation and safety um, in policies and the enforcement of those things um, are, are very important to our brand partners and are, we are always in, you know, discussions with them, um, 
because we want it to be uh, a great place for our creators, first and foremost, but that also means, you know, making it a great place where brands can come and support them. We're going to take a break here, but when we're back with Rachel Delphin, we're going to get into a new service, Kick, that is adding itself to some of the competition against Twitch, as well as get into more expansive areas of uh, tech and media on the horizon that could potentially be something for Twitch to play into. My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. We're back with Strictly Business and Rachel Delphin, Twitch's chief marketing officer. So Rachel, obviously really sturdy moderation is pretty essential to running platforms with very large audiences smoothly. You know, we can look at Twitter since Elon Musk took over and made some changes there and sort of see the consequences of when moderation falls by the wayside. But regardless, you know, the prospect of looser moderation and the kind of creators that might prefer that is something that this new service kick is really taking advantage of by um, not having as strict moderation and also offering some higher revenue splits too. you know, it already led to a uh, former Twitch streamer XQC signing a hundred million dollar deal in June. So how can Twitch market itself towards creators, you know, from those two angles to ensure that, you know, Twitch isn't going to lose too much of the competition and our uh, sort of overall deals like that, you know, that's what we call them in the TV and film space generally, but are big deals like that still a big part of Twitch's bottom line in locking certain very popular creators down? I mean, I think there are a lot of ways you you can, you know, respond and act in a, in a competitive environment. And I think, as you noted in an earlier conversation we had, you know, we are the market leader in the live streaming space. And that's, and that's, you know, been true for many years. And that's because in many ways, you know, we built the category and there's certainly been times in our history when we've been a category of one, I think. Um, and the reason why I think we've been able to, you know, both build, but also maintain and grow this, you know, this category that does has, and has become appealing to, to other brands and companies um, over, you know, the lifetime of our, our company um, is because we've remained really invested and focused entirely, you know, and that's, you know, over the 13 plus years of our existence in the success of the category, but also very specifically in the success of the creators who create live content and the communities, you know, that build around them since that inception. So in no way does that suggest like we are complacent, right? Having, you know, um, built category and and um, leading it in many ways. It's that it's, a very similar position during, you know, times of, of more competition and times certainly of less competition, you know, the way that we win and we continue to uh, attract the best creators, keep them there, attract more creators and, and the communities that, that love them and support them is to keep that focus, right? Um, and remain committed to that mission. So, you know, if our service is the safest place to be a live content creator, 
um, to be the place where you can find and build and gather a thriving community um, and to do so with the best options and ways to monetize, you know, if that the latter thing is your thing, then that's that's how we'll win, regardless of, you know, what's happening um, from a competitive standpoint. Yeah, things like um, revenue splits are, you know, one of the many things kind of swirling around the ongoing strikes that are happening in the Hollywood space with both the WGA and then SAG AFTRA. And another aspect of those strikes is, you know, concern over implications for how generative AI and other AI tools can be used and employed throughout that industry. Um, as a bit of a different business, you know, oriented around live streaming, does Twitch look to, you know, increasing AI tech? as something that can, you know, benefit the actual business operations, whether it's towards more content or used more as like a proactive tool for moderation purposes? My expectation is that we'll see adoption of like the generative AI that, you, that you've that sort of been seeing um, by content creators, um, probably in a few ways. One is the experience you actually have, right? So the content you see on the screen, whether it's sort of um, adopting it as a, as a VTuber or those kinds of things, or um, generating different kinds of concepts. I would love to speculate with you about how I think creators will use it. But to be honest, there is a reason why they are the content creators who are endlessly creative and I am in the role that I am. So I, I suspect we'll see some innovation and creativity there. Um, you've seen some of that around the Seinfeld-inspired um, uh, stream that happened earlier this year that attracted a lot of attention. So I, I think we'll see some um, innovation and experimentation on the creator side, certainly. And then from my perspective, um, I certainly think there is going to be an opportunity to implement and sort of integrate some AI tooling um, in our sort of like work stack and our processes on a lot of, you know, the, the back end um, and the business and processes of marketing that will um, make things a bit more efficient um, and, uh, you know, predictive, right? In terms of like audience modeling and all kinds of things that I think will be really useful. Um, th there's nothing right now, but I, I certainly, I, I believe it's, you know, this technology is here for the long term and that um, we'll see some really exciting tooling coming out of it. In terms of um, the various kind of devices that Twitch can operate on, has Twitch looked to something like, you know, like increasingly popular TikTok lives as something to take inspiration of or, you know, try to improve on the mobile end of Twitch to, you know, take advantage of um, increased interest in, you know, the mobile aspect of live streaming in particular? Yeah, it's a it's a great question and a timely one. So at TwitchCon, actually, um, are you tired of me mentioning TwitchCon yet? <laughs> Uh, we, we made two announcements in this area. So, um, stories and feed, these are very familiar formats for sure for anyone who has a phone and the difference for how they will actually come to life and how they'll work is, um, in, in how we're actually thinking about, about them and what the utility of those things are. So for stories, for example, um, one of the challenges of live is that getting your community all together when you're live is tough, right? Schedules have to line up, people work, they go to school, they have other commitments, et cetera. So the, the stories feature on Twitch gives creators a really reliable way to reach their whole community, you know, all at once, right? Um, the concurrent viewer numbers you see on Twitch, so on the channel page, it will show you like how many people are watching right now. That is really the tip of the iceberg when it comes to what their whole community looks like. Um, for all the reasons I mentioned earlier that, you know, it's really hard to, to see every single 
um, live uh, broadcast, right, of a creator that you follow. And so stories we see is going to be a really great way to en enable engagement while they're not live um, to kind of catch people up. What happened today on the stream? What were the memes? What were the jokes? What were the big high points? So that when you're back, you know, you feel like you feel like you never left. I think there's also utility, you know, for creators who are taking vacation but want to remain connected, that kind of thing. So um, uh, that stories format is coming, I believe, in October, um, the fall. Um, and then the other thing we talked about uh, was feed. So having a discovery feed, um, which will be a personalized mix of clips within the browse tab on our mobile app. And it is, you know, sort of capturing and embracing that behavior, right? You're scrolling, you're, but you don't have a full 30 minutes, you don't have a full hour, which um, is more typical, right, of a Twitch session. You're, you're staying for a longer time. You want to hang out. You're like pulling up a seat, you know, at the bar or whatever. Um, and recognizing that there is a behavior, of course, that exists. Lots of people are sort of checking in. They have these more snackable moments. The difference, again, is the express purpose uh of our feed is to discover new creators so that you'll get this personalized mix of clips. Um, but our intention is then that you are going to ultimately join their live streams and join their communities. It's not our goal to have viewers spend, you know, hours of time actually scrolling the feed. What we want and what we want to do for creators um, and for community members is to help them discover new creators and then get them into the live experience where they can, you know, actually start to build relationships, community bonds, et cetera. Going back some years to when Twitch was still known as, you know, Justin.tv before it became an Amazon subsidiary, it's it was a service that very much had its roots in video games. And while mm -hmm. it's since grown well beyond then, um, I believe, you know, what's dubbed just chatting is, you know, generally the most popular form of Twitch content versus any particular video game. But regardless, we're seeing in Hollywood, um, especially this year, a pretty huge embrace of video gaming IP. The Last of Us premiered on HBO in January and was an immediate hit for both HBO and uh, what's now the Mac streaming service. And then in April, Universal released Super Mario the Super Mario Brothers movie, obviously in partnership with Nintendo and with the um, with their Illumination Animation Studio, and that ended up grossing well over a billion dollars. So with video games. Um, clearly defining themselves as really lucrative IP in Hollywood this year. Is that something that has a ripple effect over at Twitch and the kind of, you know, ad pushes Twitch can help make with partners to, you know, kind of bring everything back to all the excitement around gaming? Yeah, um, it's really awesome to see. I think it's, you know, you um, maybe are, you know, touching on this, but like, there's always been this kind of weird dissonance between the game industry, which has been massive for a very long time. I think right now it's like $250 billion industry. Um, and that's sort of like treatment or assumption of it, of being like, oh, this is like a niche niche thing that people do. Um, when in fact, it's, it's actually extremely popular and there are these like massive IPs and fandoms around them who show up, you know, for the things they care about, as you've seen with The Last of Us um, and the Super Mario Brothers movie. So I definitely think that there's, an opportunity for us as well, um, because we are such an established home for gaming and trends in gaming and influencers of gaming. So I think Last of Us um, is a good example. Um, you know, when the series premiered, you see a lot of streamers actually doing playthroughs of the Last of Us games and um, those kinds of things. And when Super Mario Brothers movie came out, we saw a real opportunity. Um, there is a day for Mario fans. It's called Mario Day. It's March 10th. 
M-A-R-1-0, Mario, very cute. Um, and so we did a big campaign around it that really pulled in everyone who, uh, you know, was part of our creator community um, and likes, you know, Mario, uh, any of the IP and play the games, bake cookies with Mario, um, you know, play songs from, you know, the, the, the games. So um, it was this really big celebration, recognition kind of community moment around Mario, um, Mario Day, but also, you know, coincided with the release of the film as well. And again, you see um, a, a real embrace by our community of that as well. Um, similarly, we did, uh, this was not created, you know, not related to Hollywood, but um, we did a super ultra combo week on Twitch. And that was in early June, coinciding with the release of um, Street Fighter VI, beloved game, Street Fighter, you know, fighting game community is a really big and historic community on Twitch. Um, and so we did this long week that kind of led up to the to the ultimate um, uh, launch of the Street Fighter VI game. Um, and from a brand perspective, we're getting a lot of sort of interest of like the way that it was done, you know, both off Twitch, but on Twitch and really gathered, you know, what were literally thousands of um creators creating content in the street uh street fighter but also just fighting game category um and that becomes really appealing to be right. part of something like that well thanks for taking the time to join us today rachel it was my pleasure that was a conversation with rachel delton chief marketing officer of twitch come back next week for more discussion and insights into the ever-evolving media and entertainment landscape My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council.